You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome to the uh, Halloween special episode of Perfect Ten. Uh, I am your host, Michael Cohen, and uh, as, as I said, this is a special episode. This is a little different from the other episodes that we've put out. Um, I do not have a guest for this one. It's just me. Um, and I, I, but here's the thing: you, you guys are the guests. You guys are the special guests. Uh, on this episode because uh what i did was i I put it out there and i said hey hit hit me up with with your perfect 10 uh halloween movies and uh, i and i and i got i got a few responses and uh, i more than enough to to put together an episode here and i'll obviously talk about my own perfect 10 halloween films um and i and yeah, and we'll just have a little, we'll just have a little conversation. And I'm hoping that um, that we can do more of these in the future. Uh, what I what I would really like. So here, I've been thinking about this a lot. I I said on the last episode, I I that um, if we can get the Patreon up to 250 a month, that I will start doing a perfect 10 every other week. Uh, as opposed to every four weeks right now. So basically double the number of perfect 10 episodes. Um, let's, let's focus on that right now. And then eventually let's get to the point, you know, where we've smashed that goal. And then we start talking about perfect 10 being a weekly podcast. But uh, I, un, un, until we get that 250, uh, we're just going to focus on that on, on going to, to the bi-weekly uh, schedule. But I, uh, uh, if we can do that, my hope is that basically uh, I will do a, a guest episode, well, what, what we've been doing as, as regular Perfect Ten episodes, um, every uh, every four weeks, basically, the same cadence, right? But then in between those, I, uh, so, so on those other weeks, um, if I'm not able to schedule a guest, because sometimes it's difficult... Um, then, then I can do like a special episode like this, um, where we do, I, uh, I, you basically, uh, you guys, the listeners write in and let me know, you know, there'll be a, a, a topic, Halloween movies, Christmas movies, um, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, like I think around, around the July period, we definitely have like vacation movies and, uh, and like summer blockbusters and that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, uh, and then the other idea that I had was, I uh, a perfect 10 ranked lists. So doing episodes where, uh, myself and a guest, um, go through, uh, a franchise or, um, a genre or, or, you know, you know, um, just sort of, sort of whatever sort of categorization we, we decide to put together. Maybe it's eighties movies, maybe it's star Wars movies, um, what have you, but we take those films, uh, or TV shows or, uh, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it would be like top 10, like the, the, the perfect 10 Buffy episodes. Right. And, uh, I go through and 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 pull out ten episodes that uh, that myself and that guest think are the best episodes of that series, right? Or like I said, we go through and we, we go through the Star Wars films and we rank the ten best Star Wars movies. Um, so if we can get to that, if we can get to that point, then I, then then hopefully hopefully we'll be able to start doing some of that stuff. Um, and again, just continuing to talk uh, with cool people about the things that they love, um, and uh, and just sort of spread that joy on the internet. That's the, that's the goal here. So, 
hopefully you like that. Hopefully you guys like this episode. Um, and hopefully this gives you an idea for the next one sort of, of, I, I, th- I think the problem, the reason why I didn't get as much response as I, as I was hoping for, uh, is on the discord. It was funny. Like I kind of put out a thing a, a few weeks back going like, Hey, send your stuff in. And then a bunch of people were like, yeah, I'm not really, I don't really have like a Halloween favorite Halloween movie. Um, so it like, it just might've, it might've been, I think the topic on this one. So I think that when we do the Christmas movies, it'll probably go a little bit better. I think if I were to say like, what are your perfect 10 DC films? That would probably be one that would be pretty easy to populate with some emails. Um, but nonetheless, we did get a, a, a handful here. Um, before we get into that, let me give, I'm going to give two. So I, I have two perfect 10 Halloween movies that I that that I like to try and watch every year if I can, um, and then I'll have an honorable mention at the end as well, uh, which isn't technically a Halloween movie. It's not technically a Christmas movie. It fits somewhere in the middle. You guys can probably guess what that is, and uh, and and I'll and I'll talk about that. So, I I first and foremost, uh, growing up, this is the one that I talked about. I already sort of to, to preface this episode, um, every year when it was on TV, uh, my brother Chris and I would watch, uh, Ernest scared, stupid. Um, we would also just rent it from the video store, uh, which were these places that you could go and you could get, uh, small plastic rectangles that you would put into a machine attached to your TV that would then play the videos. Uh, 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 and uh, we would rent Ernest Scared Stupid every year around Halloween. Um, uh, which, like, now come to think of it, like, unless they had multiple copies, we, like, that that meant that, like, in our neighborhood, there, there were maybe, like, three video stores in our neighborhood. So there was, like, three opportunities for kids to have rented Ernest Scared Stupid. And somehow we always managed to have it. Uh, it's almost like nobody else cared. Um, but Ernest Scared Stupid, for those who don't know, the Ernest films uh, starring Jim Varney, uh, uh, who you might also know as the voice of Slinky Dog in Toy Story, um, um, among among other characters that he's played throughout uh, film and television, uh, famous star of stage and screen. I don't know if he was ever a stage star. But uh, uh, Jim Varney. Um, originally, I guess, known for something called Hey Vern. That was, I think, a little bit before my time or possibly, um, more of an American thing. I think, I, I, I don't think that it was on any of our stations up here. I think maybe it was like a, cause if it was like a Nickelodeon thing or something like that, then back in the day, we didn't have those, those channels. Um, but I knew him as Ernest, which was one of his characters that he did. Um, I think on, I think Havern was like a, like a sketch show sort of thing. Uh, and, and Ernest was one of his characters. So I, I, and they, they just, they made a bunch of these Ernest movies. Um, and it would be like, uh, well, let's see, like Ernest goes to camp, uh, Ernest scared, stupid Ernest saves Christmas. There's like a whole, there's a whole, uh, uh, he's, it's, he's kind of his own genre uh mcu before the mcu existed and uh and Ernest scared stupid is is probably the one for me that stands out the most it's certainly the one that we watch the most and i uh, i so it holds a, a very special place in my heart but uh but look listen i fully recognize that Ernest scared stupid is not it's not a masterpiece of film um it is far from a masterpiece but I, uh, but it, but it worked for me as a kid. Uh, I, I, it was scary. I, it was funny. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, the plot is essentially that, uh, I think it's like, like, cause you got to remember it's the, it's the early nineties, right? So environmentalism is a big, a big, uh, draw in storytelling. And, uh, I think what they're doing is like they're they're building something and uh, like like they're going to build a new shopping mall or something. It's been so long since I've watched this movie, but I I in the process of of whatever they're going to build an apartment or shopping mall or whatever it is. Parking lot, maybe they bulldoze a tree. 
I, I, Ernest hasn't even shown up at this point, I don't think. Uh, but a tree gets bulldozed, and when this tree gets bulldozed, um, we discover that it was actually, um, p- basically like put there over top of like a troll, like a like a legit like a troll, like a scary monster troll, uh, that. I, I was like imprisoned with magic underneath this tree. So when this tree gets knocked down, I think this is how it happens. I, then the, the troll is released and it's, it just ha- so happens to be Halloween. I, uh, we catch up with Ernest who I, I, I think, I think maybe he like, like either works in or lives in a junkyard in this one. I can't remember. But there's some kids. Uh, his house is like full of ridiculous contraptions and nonsense and that sort of thing. These uh, kids that he's friends with because no adult, no self-respecting adult would be friends with Ernest. Uh, so he hangs out with children um, in a completely innocent and uh, and and uh, 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 PG way. Um, I don't 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 give me any of that nonsense with Ernest. It's, this is pure, this is wholesome content guys. Um, so he's got a couple of like, I, I sort of tween teenage, uh, friends, um, who have, you know, they got their, they got their problems. They got their nineties white kid teenage problems and he helps them out with these things. And, uh, so there's all sorts of subplots in this story. Um, but, uh, but basically this troll gets out and uh, and kids start going missing because they they get like the troll turns them into little wooden dolls, and uh, and it's up to Ernest and his two friends to I uh, I I think they're like a brother and sister. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but uh, it's up to Ernest and these two kids because nobody else believes them. Nobody believes them that there's a troll on the loose, and that's why all these kids are going missing. I. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's up to Ernest and these kids to to figure out how to stop this troll once and for all and save their uh, little uh, idyllic uh, small American small town uh, uh, and uh, and and obviously they do everybody everybody uh, saves the day they win um but i mean like it gets pretty it gets pretty rough for a second cuz like one of the kids gets turned into a wooden doll um but one of my favorite jokes of all time is in this film and that's one of the reasons why i, w- I even wanted to do this episode i they're trying to figure out how to defeat this monster and, uh, and as you do, you go to the library and you research the monster to try and find its weakness. And this specific troll just so happens to have one weakness. And uh, they look in the book, and uh, I can't remember why, but for some reason they can't quite read it. It's, there's, a, there's a letter missing. It's like, here's its one weakness. The troll's weakness is, and they can make out the letters M, I blank and then K. So it's, it's one weakness is M I blank K and uh, I'm spoiling the movie. I'm sorry. I, uh, if you haven't seen it, I, uh, and I, uh, I, Ernest and the kids go off. They got, they got to, they got to find this weakness and the kids obviously figure it out because it's not that hard. Um, I, I, and, and I wonder, I wonder how, how much, uh, uh, the, the, the dairy producers of America paid Ernest to make this the plot of his film, but, uh, uh, they go off to, to get what is the, uh, the actual one weakness of the, the, the troll and Ernest goes off to get what he thinks is the weakness of the troll. Uh, and, and, uh, there's a confrontation. I think it's like at the at like the the Halloween dance at the school in the gymnasium or whatever, and uh, uh, or maybe it's just like the the spooktacular event that's happening on Halloween and everybody's there. The troll crashes the party, starts turning kids into wooden dolls left and right, and then 
uh, Ernest shows up in the nick of time with the the solution to this problem. Uh, and he, he's like, so good. Cause he's just like, like he has this whole like speech that he makes to, to the troll where he's like, you didn't think, I bet you didn't think that I could do it. That, and, and I'll tell you, it was difficult this time of year in this small town, but I did manage to find and he, he produces a jar of, uh, Miak. M-I-A-K, which is like some Eastern European something or other. And uh, that joke just like, it has stuck with me my entire life. Because it's so awful. It's such a bad joke. But it's not, it's not the quality of the joke. It's the quality of the earnest that that sells it which is that this guy is just such a doofus such an utter doofus um and and uh and so, so every time i watch the movie i begrudgingly laugh at it and then as a as an adult anytime the actual one weakness of the troll milk comes up especially somebody mispronouncing milk like when somebody says milk uh, uh, which, um, uh, Crystal does. So, uh, I think about it a lot. <laughs> She'll say milk. I, 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 it, my brain automatically goes to like, to Miak. Uh, and I just keep it to myself. Um, because you, you, you had to be there. It had, you, like, you had to be one of the kids who watched Ernest Scared Stupid every Halloween for like five years in a row in order for that to be even remotely humorous, much less like actually funny to you. So that's my earnest scared, stupid story. Uh, and, uh, with that, uh, I'm, I'm going to read one of the emails. As a matter of fact, I'm going to, I'm going to open it up with uh, frequent email writer back in the day of quiver, the green arrow podcast, uh, Sarah Beth stout, uh, and Sarah Beth says, uh, is it too late to add in Halloween Town and Ernest Scared Stupid for the Halloween Perfect Ten? Hope not. Uh, no, it wasn't because uh, this was like a week ago. You had so you had so much time, so much time to do it. Um, yeah. I so there. I I I know at least one listener knows what I'm talking about and will understand the Miak joke. Um, and know that I just like I absolutely butchered it, right? Like it's not funny the way that I presented it. It's not the it's not funny the way that it's done in the movie. So I don't feel like I really did anything wrong. I I think that we're I think that we're still net zero. We're still we're still at neutral. So, uh, but I uh, but at least there's one other person who will understand where I'm coming from on that one. Um, Halloween Town is not something that I have a lot of familiarity with. Uh, and the reason why is that Halloween Town was like a Disney Channel thing, right? And we didn't have Disney Channel in Canada until the late 90s. Now, like, you could get it if you had, like, satellite or I, I think maybe if you had, like, a cable box, like, a, like the expensive cable box, like the one for, like, HBO. Because, like... It wasn't like today where everybody's got a box attached to their TV, right? Back then, uh, in the in the the mid '90s, because I think Halloween Town started in maybe the mid to late '90s. I uh, maybe it's the late. It's probably later '90s. Um, it was more like I I newer TVs would have the channels like the, the ability to change channels built in. But like when I was a kid, so I'm to, we're talking about like younger than 10. Um, so mid early to mid nineties, I had, I had a little black and white TV in my bedroom. Um, very old TV from probably like the, the, the seventies. I, just like like a real bubble of a CRT uh, a tube TV, right? Not even CRT, I think, just a tube TV. Um, maybe CRT, maybe the T and CRT 
stands for tube. I don't know. I, uh, but anyways, like just a, just these like real, like retro bubbly, uh, uh, 60s slash 70s TVs. Um, and in order to get channels on it, you needed a, a, a converter box. Uh, so, and like this, the TV that I had, it, it, it did have channels. It had 12 channels. I, I, but those channels were, were like, you couldn't really, it, you hooked it up. This is how old I am, man. I, I, you hooked it up. It had like two basically screws on the back and you would have these like two prongs that you would plug in. And those, they were actually for the antenna, right? Like, like to do the antenna. And then you would like the channel changer was to tune the antenna to different channels. And then you would like, you would try and find a signal, find the signal and then move the antennas around. Right. Um, so even, even like, even I am too young to really have lived through that part of time but but antenna broadcast was still um i mean it was still readily available i uh, i uh, back when i was a kid it, it, i mean it really up until i think about like 15 years ago it was it was it was pretty standard um that you could get antenna tv i don't know if you still can today um surprisingly most flat screen tvs actually do have antennas built into them so I guess I could go find out, but, um, what you would get is you would get, you'd get a converter box and the converter box would have a coax, uh, which is like the, the cable cord, right. That you like, it's like, like the thick cable. And then it's got like the little, um, just like a little metal, uh, uh, wire sticking out of it. And then you like stick that in and screw it on. Right. Um, so that's a coax, right? So you would put the coaxial cable into the converter box and then the converter box would have an out that would go to the antenna attachments, those two prongs that are the, the two screws that you'd have like these prongs. They're, they're like little like U-shaped prongs that you would fit onto the screw, tighten the screw. Um, and that's where the signal would come through. Um, and, and obviously like the TV that I had attached to this didn't have, um, it didn't even have a controller. You needed a separate controller to do it. So you needed the clicker, right? I, I, and they clicked. They literally clicked back then. And so that was like how you just got basic channels, like like the 13 or, you know, 20 some odd basic channels that you had with your cable package in the 90s. And then if you were really fancy, bringing it all back to the Disney Channel stuff, if you were really fancy, if you were a rich person your family had one of the special boxes that also accessed like HBO and in Canada, we have a thing called super channel. I don't think that they have that in the States. Um, and then I, uh, I think maybe family channel was on that at, at the time. And it wasn't really until like the late nineties, I think around like 98, um, maybe 97, 98, whenever Teletoon and all, which I've talked about on Thunderquack back in the day, um, whenever that happened, that those, so Teletoon and the space channel, all of a sudden the T TV channels went from there being like, I th think there were 30 basically like at 30, which like for me in Penticton, when they topped out at 30, like those last few channels were like discovery, the learning channel. And this is back when discovery and learning channel were actually about like science and nature and, and, uh, 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 learning history and that sort of thing. Um, now they're just reality TV channels. Um, and they call that documentary. I, I, but, uh, it sort of capped out with those. And then I think like news, I think like one of the 24 hour news channels or whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden it went to like, Oh, there's like a hundred channels and family channel was one of them, which family channel in Canada had all of the, 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 the broadcast rights to not all, cause it was actually very frustrating at times. 
they had the broadcast rights to some of the Disney Channel stuff. So I'd be getting my Disney Adventures magazine and I'd be looking at Disney Adventures and I'd be going like, that looks really cool, but it's on Disney Channel. So I don't get to watch it. Um, and then and then Family Channel was finally accessible I, I just for anybody with cable. And, uh, and, and some stuff was then available, right? So like, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, I can remember being a really big deal when that came on, um, and that that was going to be on Family Channel. I remember like the movie premiered and all that sort of thing, and so eventually, sort of after the fact, I would become aware of Halloween Town. But I think that they were like three movies in, and I didn't care about this this franchise, and I was a little, I think I was a little bit too old, so I I missed out on Halloween Town. But I know that similar to my feelings on Ernest Scared Stupid, there's a lot of people who care about Halloween Town, um, and it's a it's a big part of their their yearly Halloween traditions, and I totally respect that. It's just it's just never really been one of mine. Um, let's jump into another email, uh, and then I'll talk about another one of my perfect tens. But actually, let's actually this one's not this one didn't come in email because Tyler. I uh, couldn't be bothered to email me. So he just messaged me on Facebook messenger. He broke the rules, but uh, this one comes from Tyler James Nickel. You guys might remember from our second episode talking about uh, uh, Transformers, the movie, the soundtrack. And he gave me a list of 13, ooh, spooky, 13 of his favorite Halloween movies. Uh, and I, uh, I let me run through this list, and then he's and then he he calls out one in particular. Uh, so the Invisible Man Returns from 1940, Arsenic and Old Lace from 1944, House on Haunted Hill from 1959. So we're talking the OG House on Haunted Hill, The Monster Club from 1981, Creep Show 1982, a classic, uh, Halloween Three, Season of the Witch from 1982 now here's the this is the thing about tyler is that um that's one of the like i i I don't know the halloween movies that well because i don't really it's not my jam but um i believe that halloween three season of the witch is the one that everybody sort of is like this is the one where it starts going too far uh little shop of horrors i i will second that one i mean little shop of horrors is in and of itself a perfect 10 uh scream Again, another perfect 10. 13 Ghosts, maybe not quite. Slither, I've never watched, but I believe Slither is the James Gunn movie. So I I think Slither is James Gunn. Let me, let me double check that now that I've said it. Uh, I believe that he directed it. Michael Rooker's in it, so yes. I, I almost, almost certainly. Yeah. Written and directed by James Gunn. So, uh, that is ob- very obvious why that's on the list. Trick or our treat, um, which is an anthology horror movie from 2007. Uh, I, oh, I stopped giving the, the years, didn't I? Scream was 1996, 13 ghost, 2001, Slither, 2006, trick or treat, uh, 2007, Dr. Sleep, 2019, uh, man, Dr. Sleep, such a good movie. Um, Mike Flanagan. I, I, I just talked about that on, um, off the record. I, I just dropped, uh, Dr. Sleep and Mike Flanagan stuff, which house on haunted Hill house, uh, uh, sorry, not house on haunted Hill, haunting of Hill house, haunting of Bly Manor, midnight mass, Dr. Sleep, the midnight club, his newest one that's on Netflix. Um, all fantastic stuff. Um, oh, what's his other movie? I uh, oh, it's like on the tip of my tongue. The plot is that uh, this woman who's deaf, uh, is this this person is like like trying to break into her. She like lives in a remote little house. Uh, actually, not a little house, big house, nice house. But she lives. She's by herself in this house, and uh, and this guy is like stalking her. Man, what's it called? Ah. Uh, it's a, it's one of Mike Flanagan's first films. Fantastic. Really good horror film. Uh, and then uh, Malignant in 2021. Uh, so that's Tyler's list. A great list. I, I, 
but he he singles out. I was like, give give me give me one of those and and tell me like give me a little bit more why. And so he singled out Scream from 1996. It's a horror movie about horror movies, infinitely quotable, like it was a sing along. Has a party in it with party vibes. Franchise launcher. So if you want, you can pick one of the five. Uh, and the killer is a che- easy, cheap costume. I all great reasons for it being a perfect 10. I mean, like I'll also jump on this one and say that for scream, which like, I'm not going to go too deep into this. And you know why? Because scream is a movie that deserves a perfect 10 episode all on its own. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure that one day we will get to that, but, uh, I, I'll just say like the cast, I think is one of the main reasons why scream stands the test of time. And the funny thing is that, like, the core three that continue throughout the other Scream films, Nev Campbell, uh, uh, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette, I actually think are the three weakest in the first movie. Because um, I think that... Uh, I, let me bring up... Let me let me, let me me run through this. I'm going to bring it up on, on IMDb. Uh, uh, you can hear my clicky clacks going... IMDb wants me to watch the Quantumania trailer. I want to watch the Quantumania trailer again as well. But uh, uh, here we go, Scream 1996. So obviously we start the movie with Drew Barrymore, with the cameo from Drew Barrymore, right? Which is fantastic. But uh, uh, Skeet Ulrich, Ulrich, uh, fantastic. Um, uh, uh, Rose McGowan, uh, so 90s. Matthew Lillard, how can you make a movie in the 90s without Matthew Lillard? Jamie Kennedy, in possibly the only role that Jamie Kennedy was right for, ever. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, man, like, like, like just a, just a, just a fantastic cast. That's the top cast. But who else, who else, who else we got in this one? Who else we got that's important in this one? Uh, was there anybody else? Leave Schreiber, right? Uh, uh, Sabretooth himself uh, <laughs> from the really bad Wolverine movie um, yeah man I, I just just great actors Henry Winkler shows up in it as the principal I, I yeah I, I I love this movie. It's such a good movie. So such a great cast. Um with, with some real like standout characters. Uh awesome. Let me get into my second Halloween Perfect Ten. Uh and that is a movie that I have talked about uh on multiple occasions across uh, uh the history of Thunderquack and Quiver and all of that. Cause I talk about it, I think almost every Halloween cause it's always like, I don't think that Amanda's ever seen it. And, uh, I, so I would tell her I'll constantly to watch it. Um, and that is American werewolf in London, the original one. Uh, I don't mind a, an American werewolf in Paris. I think that it's fine. It kind of misses the point of the original film. Um, uh, but it's a fun, it's a, it's a fun adventure. movie. It's not a horror movie, but an American werewolf in London is a straight up, romantic comedy actually uh it is a straight up romantic comedy that just so happens to feature the romantic uh male lead i i in the midst of discovering that he has become a werewolf i i well i backpacking through europe with his best friend uh the the lead character i is they're, they're warned they're warned by um i so they're like they're i think they're in scotland and i uh, i they go into this little pub one night um i'm trying i'm trying to find the character's name so david uh and uh and jack i uh, go into this little pub and uh everybody there is kind of like freaking out that these two outsiders are in this pub and there's all this weird like occult stuff like like uh pentagrams and stuff like that all over the place in this pub and uh 
and uh, so Jack and David are like, you know what, we're gonna go, and uh, and as like when they're leaving, they're like the the creepy creepy denizens of this little uh the scottish pub are like stay off the moors you gotta stay off the moors because it's a full moon so stay off the moors and you're like ooh, stay off the moors and eventually of course jack and david end up on the moors and they are uh beset upon by uh a, a bear uh, uh in the original cut of the movie it's like a it's like a single frame of what appears to be like a bear Kind of, but it's a werewolf. It's meant to be a werewolf. Um, and Jack is killed. Uh, but David wakes up in a hospital in London. Um, and uh, uh, two things happen in this hospital in London. Uh, the first is that he is visited by the ghost of his best friend, Jack. Uh, who informs him that he is in fact becoming a werewolf and that uh, he'll transform under the light of the first full moon uh, or the next full moon, I should say. And Jack, uh, David thinks that he's going crazy, right? Um, he's also having these really, really vivid nightmares of like uh, uh, demon Nazis killing his family and stuff. It's uh, at Christmas. Like it's a, it's intense. There's some like weird, intense stuff that happens in the first act of this film. But the other thing that's happening alongside of all of this weird, intense horror stuff, um, I one of the greatest things is that, like Jack as he appears to David over the course of the film because he's tied to the, the to the werewolf curse he's he's doomed his spirit is doomed to walk the earth forever until the line uh, of werewolves is ended and the werewolf that, that that attacked Jack and David is is killed um I so so David is the end of the, the line of, of these werewolves so he's got to kill himself is what Jack keeps telling him. So you gotta kill yourself so that me and the other, uh, uh, victims of the, of, of this werewolf and every other werewolf that, that, uh, down the line, um, because they're all, they're all doomed to walk the earth forever. And the, and the great thing about it is that like every time Jack shows up, he is, he more and more decomposed <laughs> as the movie goes on. It's a great, like, it's a gag, but it's a gag with like a horror this is where horror works the best is when it's also got a sense of humor to it but it's still creepy and uh unsettling and all that um but the other thing that's happening while all of this horror stuff is happening to david is that he meets nurse alex price uh and falls head over heels because she is beautiful and she's got that accent and it just all works uh, I and so we get the the um I I I what is it is it Florence Nightingale uh the the, the is is the is the 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 analogy um he falls in love with his nurse and she kind of falls in love with him and uh when he's uh, uh allowed to leave the hospital um she invites him to stay with her and uh uh yeah it gets it gets it gets spicy and then she goes to work one day the next day and uh it just so happens that that evening is the first full moon since he was attacked and it's been a month basically and then we are treated to what is and probably will forever be the greatest werewolf transformation sequence ever put to film um i just i mean it's extended i uh, uh, it is it is it's lengthy and uh, um uh, it's 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 painful to watch but it's but you can't look away cuz it's so so good um and uh, yeah like it, it's just it is it's the best it's 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 just it's the best transformation sequence um 
ever in in uh, like werewolf transformation sequence ever in any movie and everything else is just trying to live up to it um and and failing spectacularly because uh because how could you you can't you can't uh and and i mean like that this was rick baker at the top of his game um i i don't remember what he did first if he did this first or if he did i think he did this and then michael jackson saw this movie and was like hey i i come do my thriller music video because it's very similar uh it's it's so this this is the key to it this is the technology and this is the behind the scenes that i'll give you uh this is the tech that that uh that rick baker came up with in order to achieve the uh the transformation effects is that they created prosthetics with basically like balloons inflatable balloon bellows inside them so that they could put these prosthetics on the actor and then inflate them and when they inflate them then like so uh the nose right the snout of the of the werewolf would then like extend out and i uh, i so you would have um uh david uh the actor uh uh, uh i just had it a second ago uh david Naughton, who played david kessler in the film um I giving a performance and giving an amazing performance because he's sort of just, it's, it's so great. Cause he starts and he's just like, he's, Oh, I'm just so hot. I'm hot. Like my, like, like, uh, like you need to, like it's his metabolism changing, right. As he transforms into a wolf and uh, I, and so he gets naked and which is perfect because he's about to transform into a big uh, uh, evil monster dog. Um, and uh, yeah, it, and it just like it goes through like his bones cracking as they as they change into a new shape and 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 his body uh, uh, transforms uh, and morphs into this other creature. Um, and uh, and then you get like these prosthetics on his face that that are just like going right. I uh, and it's so believable. It's so fantastic. Uh, it just yeah, it's it is. In my opinion, it's the best that's ever been done. Um, and then the movie continues on from there. I don't want to spoil it because I think that everybody should watch this movie if you haven't watched it. And that was the perfect time. Like this this time of year is the absolute perfect time to watch it. Um, and I watch it almost. I try and watch it almost every year at Halloween. I don't know if I'll get around to it because we're kind of, it's actually, it's less than a week away. Uh, but I, yeah, I, 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 it's also just a great romantic comedy with these two characters, but then he happens to be turning into a monster every so often. I mean, it's three nights of it that he transforms the, the, the three nights of the full moon sort of thing. And, uh, in, in the process, he manages to, to kill a few people whose ghosts then haunt him. Um, I, I, and it just kind of goes from there. So, uh, watch it. Go watch an American Werewolf in London. Uh, I, I, I think it, it. Here's the thing. It's horror that I think is accessible for everybody because it's not actually that scary, and there's not really that many jump scares. And in fact, like we are sympathetic to the monster because the monster is this charming young American kid who just wanted to go on a trip with his best friend. Um, uh, before you know, like uh, going off to college or whatever 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 life moment they're in um yeah i will say that i that i think there's some controversy around the film because of john landis and i think that john landis is not uh not strictly speaking uh, uh, a a great role model let's say uh, i think like so the biggest thing uh let's see let's see i it's this the twilight zone stuff that's right so in filming twilight zone the movie was uh an anthology and it was it was a bunch of different directors directing a bunch of sequences and john landis directed one of them and in it there's this vietnam sequence um and and in the filming of it i a helicopter crashed 
and uh, and 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 killed everybody that was on the helicopter. Uh, or sorry, no, it didn't. It didn't kill. It killed three people on the ground, and it injured everybody that was on the helicopter. Um, and I uh, and one of the reasons why it happened was basically that like John Landis was uh, not being a responsible director. I I and uh, I think he was never found like criminally liable or anything like that. But it's one of those things where he's never really like he's never really owned up to his part of it but i don't think he can because legally if he did then people would come after him so i i understand that but also it's not cool it's not good so john landis he's a controversial figure but um but but was a very skilled director in his day uh his son max landis is a piece of trash i i i'll just go ahead and say that on the internet i don't have any problem with that um uh he's done some things that are of note uh but uh, i i but i will not support anything that's got anything to do with max landis because he's a bad person um and you can go ahead and google that if you like i i won't get into that but but so there's a little i always i always have mixed feelings when i'm watching this movie because it is tied in with that that sort of thing and you know if you listen to thunder quack for any period of time you know amanda and i would go back and forth and, you know separate art from the artist and all that sort of thing and it's i mean like i think it's possible i think it's just difficult uh sometimes sometimes harder than others like very difficult to watch a harry potter film which would be on the list for perfect 10 halloween films if not for the fact that jk rowling is also a trash person um let's get in to another email uh, let's jump into this email from Amanda Ricky. Uh, Amanda Ricky writes in, Hi, Mike and Amanda. Amanda's not on this podcast. I'm sorry to disappoint you, Amanda Ricky, but Amanda Konkin is not here. Um, eventually, I'm sure she will be on Perfect 10 at some point to talk about something. But, uh, but she's not here on the regular because she quit. She just quit podcasting on me, in case you didn't know. Uh, and, and, and then I ended up starting this podcast and now, uh, I'm doing what is possibly the favorite, my favorite podcast that I've ever done. So it all worked out, but, uh, but it doesn't change the fact that she did, she did cruelly abandon me, um, to back to solo podcasting, but that's fine. I, uh, no, I just get to talk to all sorts of cool people now. Um, and Amanda doesn't have to be burdened with, uh, listening to me yammer on for hours. Um, Amanda, Ricky, though, you wrote in, you have, here's your top 10 Halloween movies slash episodes. I like how you did this. Uh, Tower of Terror, Casper, Rocky Horror Picture Show, fantastic, an absolute perfect 10. Uh, The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, also a perfect 10. Here's the, like, this list, this is a very good list. Because, like, Tower of Terror, I'm not super familiar with. Casper, I don't know if I'd call it a perfect 10, but it is a fun movie. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Perfect 10. Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Perfect 10 holiday special. Beetlejuice. Absolutely perfect 10. I, Beetlejuice, my favorite Tim Burton film. Bar none. Like, like light years ahead of everything else. I think that that was when he was at the top of his game. Uh, go, you wrote Ghoster Busters, but I think you just meant Ghostbusters, which we've already established on the podcast as a perfect 10. Halloween. Uh, we're talking the original here, unlike Tyler saying that the third Halloween is his perfect 10. Halloween movie. This is the original one. Uh, Double Double Toil and Trouble. If I'm not mistaken, are you referring... Are you referring to the Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen film? Double Double Toil and Trouble. Is that... Because I think... I think that's what that is. I'm going to look this up. Double Double Toil and Trouble. Yeah. I It's a TV movie. And that's absolutely... Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, uh, yeah. On Halloween night, two precocious little girls try to save their parents from their nasty old capitalist ants' greedy clutches. Magic abounds, and they meet mysterious new friends along the way. I have I have absolutely watched this movie more than once. I uh, because uh, back in the day, uh, I mean, Full House was the best. It remains one of the best shows ever, uh, and uh, and so you know, like like uh, uh, 
obviously like you, Amanda, I am of the perfect age for, uh, this was 1993, right, right dead center in the zone for me to be all about the Olsen twins and anything that they do. So I have seen this. I have seen this movie a few times. Uh, and, uh, and I, and I can attest it's a good Halloween movie. It's there's not that many like Halloween specific movies. This is the thing, uh, but but it deserves to be on this list. As I said, great list. Uh, Halloween episode of Boy Meets World. I uh, which one are we talking about here? Are we talking about the 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 Scream style Halloween episode? Because that it is a great episode. Um, and then and then Scream itself is on here as well. I uh, yeah that Halloween episode of Boy Meets World. Which let's bring that up because uh, I there are a couple there are a couple of Halloween episodes of Boy Meets World because there is also there's the one speaking of Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen there's the one that has Candace Cameron uh, in it where she's a a witch who uh, uh, tries to 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 steal Jack's soul or eat him or something I don't remember but uh, I should remember I've watched it like a million times. But there's also the Halloween episode where they are in the, uh, uh, let's see, I, I think it's, man, it's gotta be, maybe it's season six. It's either season six or season five. I think season six might be the witch one. Uh, uh. Let's see. Let's see. No, that's not it. Where is it? Where is it? Um, anyways, I'm going to stop looking this up because I thought it would be easier to find than that. But uh, it, there's a great episode where like everybody is like being murdered in the midst of the episode. And then by the end of it, you find out that everything's fine. So I think that's the one that you're talking about. Uh, and it's a great it's a great episode of Boy Meets World, but but here's the thing about Boy Meets World, they're all great episodes. That's not entirely true, but there a lot of them are great episodes. It's a fantastic show. I, uh, that's great. Thank you, Amanda, Ricky, for that one. Uh, and uh, let's go to our last email. This is our last email. This one comes from Steve Stebbing, who I I at some point I, look. I'm I'm thinking I'm gonna get Steve to do. Uh, our our uh, January episode. I'm gonna talk to him about that and uh, and get him scheduled for January uh, to talk about whatever he wants to talk about because Steve has great great taste in film. Uh, uh, and uh, it'll be it'll be a really good conversation. Um. So Steve says, "Hey, when the gauntlet is thrown down, I accept." I called him out. I called him and Tyler out and said, "Like, come on, guys, you're 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 my horror guys. Like, give me give me some some good Halloween uh, movies." So he gave me a list of five, uh, but his list of five has uh, each one has like a little blurb to go with it. So I uh, let's start at the top of his list here: Return of the Living Dead, Punk Rock Zombies in a Graveyard, Clue Get uh, Clue Gulliger. Tom Matthews having the worst luck imaginable and a tar man the that goes brains classic. Uh yeah, I mean like Return of the Living Dead. It's like this like Night of the Living Dead being like the first zombie movie, right? And Return of the Living Dead I think is the first sequel to it. Um Event Horizon, a ship passes through a black hole and unleashes unspeakable horrors on a crew and becomes the greatest accomplishment of Paul W.S. Anderson's career. Just a gargantuan of a movie. Yeah, Event Horizon. Uh, I went to see Event Horizon because it was uh, starring Sam Neill, uh, who I thought was um, like a movie star uh, because of Jurassic Park. And it wasn't until I was much older and even really not not really until this moment when I'm sort of just thinking about this fact. But actually, Sam Neill, a uh, horror film star, I, I, you know, The Omen and I, 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 Mouth of Madness, I, Event Horizon. I, Sam Neill's been in a lot of horror movies. I, anyways, 
uh, yeah, so I went to see it for that. I think Sam Neill, what Lawrence Fishburne's in it as well, uh, uh, and was uh, very confused and very frightened because uh, I was young. I I think I would have been like fourteen or fifteen, maybe when Event Horizon came out. Um, but uh, blown away by this movie as well. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand any of what was happening. Basically, they go through uh, this black hole and um, and end up in hell, uh, sort of thing. Uh, anyways, uh, Hereditary. Uh, Ari Aster shows that grief is a catalyst for unspeakable horrors in a film that is so unsettling that you will be in the fetal position by the end. Also, Tony Collette was robbed during award season. Yeah, you know what? I've never watched Hereditary because I don't think I can handle it. I don't think I can handle it. I think it's too much for me. But uh, But I have heard many a good thing. Uh, and Tony Collette is an amazing actress, uh, so I don't doubt that fact. Uh, Possession, one of the most idiosyncratic horror films you will ever see, and it will leave a stain on your soul. How they invoked these performances from Isabel Ajani and Sam Neill, I will never know, but they make every moment unforgettable. There's Sam Neill coming up again. I. Uh, Suspiria. I'm going for the remake on this one because it was said that it was impossible to recreate the atmosphere that Argento did. Luca uh, Guadagnino, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, makes it his own thing, his own with disturbing moments that are hard to shake and a haunting score from Radiohead's Tom York. Uh, yeah, Suspiria is one of those ones that's on my list that, that, that I'd like to get to, but, uh, but I haven't yet. Horror movies are tough because like, especially, especially when they're like more recent stuff. And I, when I say recent, I mean within the last 10 years. Um, cause I, uh, with kids, it's like the, the, the opportunity to watch horror movies is few and far between. Cause you don't necessarily want to watch it when there's a possibility of one of them walking in on it being traumatized for life it's getting late there's a big yawn for you guys um yeah i awesome awesome list uh steve there's uh, here's the thing like these are some legit scary movies so uh, other lists have have got some fun stuff on it um and i would say return of the living dead also falls in that category because because i think by today's standard those old older uh zombie movies are a little bit hokey but uh i but yeah i mean these other ones uh, legit scary movies so just be be warned with that list that i i i bring a buddy watch them during the day with the lights on um i will just i will i will give one honorable mention to what has become a bit of a tradition in this house which is after we go trick-or-treating uh we watch ghostbusters so um so that'll be happening next Monday, but I don't think we'll make it all the way through Ghostbusters. It depends. It'll depend on I, the weather's possibly not going to be very nice. Vancouver, that's pretty par for the course. But uh, depending on how much trick or treating we do, how early we get started, um, uh, Cassie will be coming out this year, so uh, probably early, early, probably start around six o'clock. And I don't imagine that they'll want to go for longer than an hour. So if we're home by seven and we'll probably watch Ghostbusters, we'll put it on and we'll see how far we get, which is what we did last year. So that's a little bit of a tradition in this house, but it's all like, this is the thing about Ghostbusters. I, I don't put it on a Halloween list because it's always a good time to watch Ghostbusters. Um, I will say that Ghostbusters 2 is at the top of my list for New Year's movies. Uh, when Harry Met Sally is at the top of Crystals. And you know what? You know what? I'm going to try. Don't tell her. Nobody tell her. But I'm going to try and get Crystal to do an episode of Perfect Ten around the new year to talk about When Harry Met Sally because it's one of her favorite movies. So um, it'll be an excuse. What I'll do is I'll say, like, I'll we'll watch it. Because the thing is that we used to watch it every year, and it got to be a bit much. Uh, it got to be a bit much. Because then she would also just want to watch it randomly during the year. It was like... I can handle when Harry met Sally once a year, once every two or three years, but I don't need to watch it every year, but it actually has been a little while since we watched it. So, uh, uh, so maybe I'll coax her to come on the podcast and talk about that one. But ghostbusters too, is my favorite new year's movie. Um, but 
that's not what this list is about. This is about Halloween movies. And I told you guys that I would give you one more honorable mention before I closed it out. And that is, it's an honorable mention because I don't watch it. I won't watch this movie during Halloween season, which I think is when other people start watching it. But I don't actually think it's a Halloween movie because it actually, the story begins on November 1st. And that movie is A Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, A Nightmare Before Christmas, here's the thing. It's a Christmas movie, guys. It's not a Halloween movie. It's not about Halloween. Halloween plays a, a role in it, but only in so much as like we need to understand what Halloween is to understand Halloween Town. But it is a movie about Christmas. It's a movie about the meaning of Christmas, the spirit of Christmas, um, and amongst other things. I mean, it's a, it's a movie about cultural appropriation, right? But uh, I don't think that was the intent, but that's what it's kind of become. Um, but it's also just a great film. And uh, November 1st is, is, is the earliest, in my opinion, that you can watch A Nightmare Before Christmas, and you have until December 25th. Uh, but even then it's like, I really think that like, there's not a lot of movies that are November movies. A Nightmare Before Christmas is a November movie. Um, and then when we get into December, then I want to watch, I mean, this one's another difficult one because Tim Allen has become quite the character in the last few years, but, uh, the Santa Claus films, right. Or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeers, uh, uh, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, the holiday smash hit jingle all the way i i to name a few but i'm gonna stop there because in december we're absolutely gonna come back and talk about everybody's perfect 10 christmas movies so look forward to that i am actually recording tomorrow afternoon but you'll get it next week uh or actually i guess as you're listening to it this afternoon you i might be recording it right now but uh uh, we've got uh, uh, David, who is a new friend from Twitter, coming onto the podcast. Um, he's been on uh, 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 What the Force, which is how I became aware of him. Uh, and uh, I'm just going to steal tons of guests from from What the Force. Uh, I'm just steal- Marie Claire has great taste in film, television, all of that, but also human beings. So I, I, eventually I'll get basically everybody who's ever guested, uh, on, on what the force, uh, on one of my podcasts, but David's coming on to talk about kingdom hearts. I'm really excited about this conversation because I love kingdom hearts as much as it is a tangled mess of nonsense. Um, it is also one of my favorite video game franchises. So I'm really looking forward to talking about that. That'll be out next week for, for you guys, Tuesday for, uh, Patreon supporters and then next Friday for everybody else. I so look forward to that. Um, and then we'll have another off the record. We've got force perspectives. If you, uh, if you haven't listened to that, um, that's my Star Wars, my current Star Wars podcast, where I talk to uh, my friends about what they love about Star Wars, what, why they are Star Wars fans. And uh, here, I'll go ahead and I'll announce the guest for the next episode of Force Perspectives to get you to jump over and listen to that podcast. If you are a Quiver fan, you'll know this name well. Uh, we've got Andy Babacht coming on to talk about Star Wars. It's going to be very interesting because I have not ever talked to him about Star Oh, well, we've had a conversation here and there about Star Wars, but I've never really talked to him about what he likes about Star Wars. So uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation uh, uh, that you guys should have sometime in the next week. Uh, and uh, I, yeah, look forward to that. Um, uh, obviously, uh, support us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash thunderquack. Uh, I, if you are so inclined to get early episodes and, and all that sort of thing. But um, thank you to everybody who wrote in for this episode. Uh, and uh, I, if you guys want to get a jump on it with the next one, um, go ahead and send me an email at thunderquacknetwork at gmail.com or, you know, like DM me on Twitter, uh, uh, either on my Twitter at ArcWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F, or on the, the Thunderquack Twitter at ThunderquackPod, um, uh, or 
uh, or you can send a message through Patreon if you're a Patreon supporter. Um, there, there are other ways. I, the Discord is also a really great way to 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 drop me a note for something like the Perfect Ten Christmas special that we'll be doing. But uh, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to our Patreon producer, Brian Mirowski. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. And, uh, and I'll close this one out. It's the Halloween episode. Real simple. Uh, have a great, uh, fun, and safe Halloween, everybody. And uh, we'll see you in November to talk about Kingdom Hearts. Thunderquack Perfect 10 is hosted by me, Michael Cohen. Follow us on Twitter at ThunderQuackPod, on Instagram at ThunderQuackPodcast, on Facebook at ThunderQuack, and join us on Discord at ThunderQuack.com Discord. Support the podcast by heading to Patreon.com ThunderQuack to get early access, bonus episodes, and the ThunderQuack Perfect 10 pop quiz. ThunderQuack Perfect 10 is part of the ThunderQuack Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.